This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Well, let's move off that on to you. Um, over the over your time, as you have spoken out, um, you've had first of all attacks from probably the expected sources, and then maybe attacks have come from sources and individuals you thought were were more unsigned. It's one of your tweets. I'll just read part of it. Uh, this was from, I think, a week or 10 days ago. I was contacted last night by yet another resistance leader who had previously thought I was somehow responsible for the constant stream of hitter attacks I've been hit with over the last three years. And now he, like so many others, is also being attacked by these same people. And he wanted to know if I knew how to reach this specific hitter attacking him. Another one wakes up to the Psy War, cognitive war being waged against all of us. Um, I don't know whether your issue is that you are from that industry, whether you're intelligent, whether you don't bumble along, you can actually present a position in a in a winsome way, um, or whether you were first one of the early people to come out. Maybe that's the issue some people have. Tell us about that, because you you were talking about an issue, which was control with the vaccines, and then suddenly you find that you're the one being hauled over the coals for exposing what you saw was um, was was an error. Tell us about that because I've seen that ramp up even more recently, um, and it's surprised me because I thought, no, Robert seems to be one of the good guys for as much as I can work out. <laughs> yeah, you and a lot of other people that that are more objective. Uh, so yeah, it's come in waves. Uh, the my speaking out. And apparently a factor in that was that I, I have subject matter expertise that relates to genetic vaccines, gene therapy, and modified mRNA technology. And so I was able to speak with authority and comprehension. And uh, with this background of clinical development, regulatory affairs, et cetera, uh, and vaccines, I, it was very easy for me to see uh, perceive uh, the errors in what was being done and the potential risks. And with having been trained in bioethics, because you have to do that to be involved in clinical research, it's one of the core requirements is you get retrained in bioethics on a routine basis. Uh, and I had to take bioethics training uh, as a young NIH-funded investigator decades ago and took that seriously. Uh, so I had this core competence. I had the uh, experience of having worked closely with the government and in the biodefense sector uh, and with uh, some of the entities and persons that were seemingly at the center of a lot of what happened. So I had personal knowledge and awareness of them. And so that seemed to give me more authority than uh, the average researcher in terms of reach and credibility. Uh, and uh, that triggered uh, an amazing cascade of uh, corporate media or mainstream media attacks coupled with aggressive Wik Wikipedia editing, 
that's now been traced to MI5. Uh, and apologies for that. Yes. You know, I've learned a lot about <laughs> the UK and UK politics, uh, more than I really wanted to know. 77th Brigade and all those things. Uh, so, and nudge units. I mean, a lot of what we've experienced has come out of uh, British academe, uh, is the truth. Uh, so there was this initial wave of uh, really defamatory attacks designed to delegitimize me from corporate media. Uh, and that was concurrent with a very aggressive marketing campaign to get the Nobel Prize for Curriculum Weissman. So I, you know, in particular, Jill objected to that, uh, to kind of writing me out of history and denying my contributions. Uh, and so, so I was getting hit, uh, as a liar that I didn't actually do what I did, uh, that it was Carrico and Weissman who came a decade later, uh, that, that actually invented this. And that was a meme that was actively promoted for, uh, you know, at least a year until, you know, this year they won it, uh, the year before they didn't. Uh, and so that, that really ramped up as a, as a delegitimizing attack meme, uh, in corporate media and, and, uh, on the internet, uh, up until the last year's, you know, the prior Nobel decision was made, it did not include the mRNA products. And then that, that whole thread of, uh, Robert is a liar. He didn't actually invent what he invented died away, uh, because, uh, that, that marketing push had failed. I think is the best explanation. And of course he eventually did succeed. Uh, there, uh, the Atlantic monthly has really been cited a lot and all of these corporate media pieces still, if you search my name on Google, they will come up bang, 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 right at the top, even though they're three years old now. Uh, and so, uh, so that, and then so the Atlantic Monthly piece came out strangely right after I had written an op-ed with Peter Navarro in the Washington Examiner that had a graphic associated with it that has a lot of similarities with the graphic that the Atlantic Monthly posted, which is my face in kind of a dark foreboding way with a like a crossbones uh, in front of it, but there are two syringes. Uh, and the the basically the article pushed the narrative of uh, why would this guy basically that I had some undisclosed conflict of interest that was driving me to object to the product rather than just objecting because uh, of the toxicity and the risks and the lack of informed consent and the uh, um, uh, how do I say what happened with the Pfizer common technical document the uh, um, aggressive, uh, denial of, uh, the actual data, uh, concerning the, the products, their longevity, their biodistribution, their potential risks going to the ovary, blah, 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 all that stuff that came out in the dark horse podcast. Uh, so that, that I, I had written this op-ed with Navarro, who's about to go to jail, uh, for, uh, um, not testifying to Congress. So contempt of Congress, they're going to put him in jail. Uh, but uh, Peter and I wrote this op-ed that basically said, uh, 
that um, uh, much of the Great Barrington Declaration, that uh, the vaccine products, to the extent they were going to be deployed, should be focused on the most needy, that we didn't eat them for children, that there was a risk that they would select for escape viruses or mutants uh, so that they would drive uh, the virus evolution towards becoming more resistant to immune responses and antibodies, uh, that uh, we should have uh, accurate, widely available testing so that people can determine for themselves uh, whether or not they're infected. Uh, a number of very kind of pragmatic, uh, common sense uh, as I said, very aligned with prior epidemic policy uh, and uh, with the Great Barrington Declaration, which is really a restatement of what has long been the norm in outbreak response. And then shortly thereafter, I get a call from this uh, young man at the Atlantic Monthly who uh, his, almost all of his articles are for the Journal of Chronic, uh, the Chronicle of Higher Education. Uh, and they're pro-woke uh, articles, uh, never written about science before, but hired by the Atlantic Monthly uh, with funding from Zuckerberg Chin Initiative and the Wellcome Trust. Mm. They feature that prominently at the footer of the article. Uh, and then that followed by uh, attacks from uh, Business Insider, uh, Rolling Stone, Mother Jones, uh, uh, um, and then three separate articles from the Washington Post calling me a liar uh, for, among other things, saying on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in the Stop the Mandates protest, at the time when Omicron was really starting to rip, uh, that the vaccines uh, were not working. So I was called a liar for saying the vaccines were not working. They, they uh, took the quote out of context because I said they're not working they're not preventing infection, replication, or spread. And that's, of course, true. Uh, but what the Washington Post said was, well, there's this latest from the CDC saying that they reduce the risk of disease. Uh, and so, therefore, Malone is a liar. So that was, that was a promoted narrative. Like, once again, I'm a liar. Uh, and, then, and then the odd thing happened, as you said, that there, I started getting attacks from people that I thought was were on my side, mm -hmm. uh, and this started with a conservative columnist uh, who who said basically paraphrasing, "You shouldn't trust Malone. He's uh, been working for the deep state. Uh, he has all these connections with the CIA, which anybody that's in biodefense does, uh, and uh, has been working for the U.S. government, and." Uh, uh, um, was a Democrat uh, and contributed to Democrat campaigns, and he can't be trusted. Then that got amplified by another uh, um, podcaster who was involved in politics long ago. I'm, I'm dropping the names intentionally. Mm -hmm. uh, then that got amplified uh, by another uh, psychiatrist uh, who... Uh, was really incensed because I had started speaking about Matthias Desmet and the mass formation mm -hmm. hypothesis uh, and um, that this was going to lead to, this was, this was going to be exploited by the global predators to justify uh, their actions because it enabled, would enable the global predators to blame the individual uh, and uh, not, uh, and thereby avoid uh, um, uh, 
accountability for their own actions. Uh, so that that got amplified, and and this this seemed to pick up a head of steam as uh, others uh, kind of moved in that don't seem to have been uh, honest brokers. Uh, so this this led to uh, one of my close colleagues hired uh, a woman who uh, it's now been revealed by many different sources is a professional infiltrator disruptor. Uh, and, and she started amplifying all this. A lot of this happens on telegraph. It's mm -hmm. like a telegraph is the, telegram. is the telegram, telegram is, yeah. is the, uh, stew pot of the uh, three witches in Macbeth, uh, you know, boil trouble, trouble. Um, uh, things kind of bubble up out of, out of that application, which is really the wild west. Uh, and then, and then kind of get promoted into, uh, X or, or, uh, Twitter back then or LinkedIn or et cetera. And so that, that was that kind of thread where people that I had, uh, toured with and, uh, spoken with, uh, you know, as on stage, uh, were, were directly involved with these people that, and seemed to be promoting these people that were attacking me, calling me a mass murderer. Uh, I've, I once counted 10 different ways I'm a mass murderer. Wow. Uh, I sometimes a good book. Yeah. Um, I'm a mass murderer because I invented the technology and so I'm responsible for the vaccines and I'm also a mass murderer because I spoke out against the vaccines and therefore prevented people from taking the vaccines, which might've otherwise been saved. So that's kind of the spectrum. And then there's everything in between. Uh, and then, so that, that kind of brood. Uh, and, uh, I started to see, you know, we hear about bots and trolls. Uh, I started to see these low complexity accounts, newly created low connectivity, repeating these themes again and again and again and again on social media. Uh, and, um, so that's when I really started to appreciate that we had something going on that was, uh, being capitalized and promoted. Uh, um, on that ostensibly on, uh, on the flank of people who were with me. Yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, then, so I launched this, I, I wrote a series of sub stacks trying to understand this new ecosystem. What, what is it that would lead people to, uh, actively promote hate, uh, in, in, delegitimization, uh, that, you know, it's easy to understand why that would come from corporate media with their ties to pharma, etc. That, that part was easy to understand what the dynamics of, uh, these smaller podcasters and, uh, now Substack and other, uh, people that are trying to grow a following that, that was new to me. I didn't expect that. Uh, and, and I came to understand that there's, there's a business model here of, uh, provoking controversy, uh, because it gets clicks, likes, and followers and clicks, likes, and followers are monetizable, uh, particularly if you're a podcaster or you're writing on Substack. So this, there's a, there's a ecosystem of promoting hate, uh, which I think generates dopamine hits for people. Uh, you know, did you, it's, and it's, a, it's kind of a gossip thing. Uh, <clears throat> did you hear what Joe, you know, so-and-so said about 
this other person. And the what I started to see was often in this ecosystem, the targets are the people that seem to be more prominent. Uh, you don't you don't read like what continues to fascinate me is is there are people that almost on a daily basis blame me for the vaccine for the mRNA vaccines, which I had nothing to do with, um, uh, except for these discoveries when I was twenty eight, had nothing to do with building these vaccines, and they never actually mention uh, the people that really built the vaccines. Uh, at, you know, at NIH and at other locations, they, they obsess about me. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, people call it tall poppy syndrome, uh, that, you know, you want to take out the one that is more high profile. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, envy. Uh, I think that's a dynamic with some of these people. Uh, there's, there's, you know, that there's a theme that's been uh, um, the people have reported to me that some of these folks uh, feel that it's necessary to take me down politically because somebody else should be more prominent, whether it's them or somebody they're associated with. Uh, and I'm getting too much attention, and that means that somebody else is not getting attention, and so I should be took, taken out because I'm getting the attention they're not. It it's it, there's a lot of dynamics that. Uh, I've had to learn and understand in order to just cope. Mm. Uh, at least for me, that's that's one of my defense mechanisms is to intellectualize things. And uh, and I had uh, totally unprepared for this. It, you know, some people have said to me, "What's it like in your sixties to suddenly become famous?" I mean, most for most people, that's something that happens when they're young totally unprepared for this. I've always, uh, my, my consulting practice has relied on my ability to fly into the radar, uh, and avoid, uh, political attacks, etc., uh, and focus on promoting my client, not myself. Uh, um, and, uh, but still being honest and plain spoken to my clients, which have typically been you know, chief executive or chief science officer, those kind of people that often need somebody that will speak honestly as opposed to the sycophants that are surrounding yeah. them all the time. So that's been kind of one of my core uh, um, business practices. And that always requires that you're confidential, uh, that you hold, uh, you know, you you respect your confidentiality agreements, or otherwise you're not going to have any more business. Uh, and um, that you promote your client and their interests. Uh, and then suddenly I'm tossed in this totally different world uh, that, that I had no background for and that is evolving extremely rapidly. That's the other thing is, is I've had people that were media savvy. In my life, uh, coaching me, oh, do this or don't do that. Uh, um, and uh, none of them have experience this kind of withering day in day out attack from all quarters it's it's a it's a different thing uh and um i haven't always managed it as well as i could have uh i i am i uh i have irish blood uh and and uh when when somebody attacks me and uh 
unfairly, you know, calls me a liar, calls me a mass murderer, uh, um, asserts that I'm dishonest. When, when I make such an effort to be an honest person and to respect others, it, it pisses me off. Hmm. And then I get combative at times and that is just spirals nowhere good. Uh, so, um, I'm still perplexed and more than a little disillusioned by what I see in humankind, uh, during all of this, you know, here I am, uh, really putting myself on the line, uh, hundreds of podcasts, trying to help people to understand things. And, and I'm getting attacked and called a liar and, uh, dishonest and, uh, um, controlled opposition is, is a, is a favorite theme that gets repeated again and again, uh, that's weaponized, uh, and it's, uh, it offends me. Well, cause I'm, I'm blown away by people's naivety and their desire to attack other people, both, uh, I can't understand, but uh, we've seen, as you said, the media space, uh, and someone being thrown in the media space at the beginning of, of, of COVID when you couldn't leave your front door. And then we started doing media and you realize it is all about publicity. Everyone is so media hungry. They're desperate to be a star. Yes. And then of course you got the money as well. And maybe the whole, uh, what has happened over the last three years, four years, people are looking at how to make money, whether on either side, and mm-hmm. um, to fix the problems that, that we now have. Um, but again, meeting you, you're someone who doesn't necessarily seem to seek publicity you it's not something you want where you see other people and you they are desperate for that limelight that's what they live for um you don't seem but then it is seemed to be a concerted attack it is not individuals um just wanting to get a gotcha moment and then say they find out the smoking gun this is why robert is xyz it kind of seems to be more than that and then that leads you back you mentioned the nudgeunas and um, MI5, you know, 7th Cent Brigade, and there seems to be a lot behind the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of seems to explain some of it. Yeah. Or, the, and what worries me is it's a very convenient explanation. Mm. Uh, it, it serves my interest to say, well, it's not actually that all these people hate me. It's just that they're being paid. Uh, and is that really true? So you're, you're, for me, I'm constantly second guessing myself, uh, in, in watching and what I observe, uh, like for instance, you're from the UK, you live in London. Uh, I'm grateful that you come out here and talk to us, uh, country bumpkin, uh, out here in Virginia. But, uh, um, so every time I've gone into the UK and particularly into London, uh, to support some, something, uh, and recently twice it's been Andrew Bridgen, uh, there, I see a wave of haters that crop up, uh, that have these characteristics of, uh, newly or recent accounts, low complexity, uh, pseudonyms often with numbers, other other characteristics that suggest a bot or troll account, and uh, and they they come as a wave as I'm as I'm starting to interact with the UK uh, political sphere, uh, and then 
and then they will die down when I return back to the States with a time lag of something like a month. Uh, it, it just kind of gradually drops off. Of course, all that time as, as that hate's coming in, I'm going block, 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 block. Um, but, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty convinced that, uh, in an, in one of the earlier times, uh, the first time I was there for Andrew, uh, a number of the attackers were openly calling themselves 77th Brigade. Uh, so, uh, so there's that, uh, there's, there's also a small cohort of folks, uh, that interact in, in various places. One of them was this Clay Clark tour that went all over the United States. Uh, and, uh, for whatever reason, a number of the people in the Clay Clark tour decided that I was a bad guy. I was controlled opposition, uh, and I had it to be taken out. Uh, and so they, and I, I learned of this secondhand uh, from somebody who, again, ostensibly should have been an ally, uh, was involved in, deeply involved in the first pandemic uh, movie, uh, and then, which I was involved in, uh, pandemic three, uh, deeply, uh, and continue to be a friend with Mickey Willis, mm -hmm. uh, the, the editor of that. And, uh, Everybody should watch for Plandemic the musical that's going to premiere in a couple of weeks in Las Vegas. I'll just leave that. There are there are cameo appearances. Uh, um, musical. <laughs> uh, that's intriguing. Yeah. So uh, Mickey tells me that it's the best thing he's ever done. Uh, so um, so some of these people that started really aggressively hating and promoting these things down to the level of uh, one person that streamed a video on together for about half an hour, uh, claiming that I had caused the CIA to put out a hit on her and she had had to escape, uh, south of the border. She lives in the San Diego area, uh, and pleading with Bobby Kennedy, uh, who this person believed, uh, I was an advisor to, and I'm not, uh, pleading with Bobby Kennedy to get me to, uh, call off the CIA hit that I had put on her. Uh, and this was translated into four different languages, uh, went viral all over the world, uh, you know, openly, uh, absurd for anybody that knows anything about, uh, the American intelligence system that some, some civilian would be able to call in a hit on, on, uh, somebody that's been attacking them online. Uh, How are you? <laughs> I know enormous power. Uh, and that's a, that's, that's another thing to kind of ponder what, so some of this seems to be fear driven. Yeah. There's, there's something about, uh, scope of what I say, how I say it, my background, uh, my expertise. And in this case, this particular podcaster had made various assertions historically about how the vaccines, uh, contained nanobots that would reprogram your brain. And I had spoken out about this saying, no, that is highly unlikely, uh, that, uh, that would be the case. Uh, and so then, then that was a threat to the person who had promoted this narrative. Uh, I, 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 I'm still confused about, uh, 
about the dynamics that are happening and apparently have happened for a long time. I've been, I've been involved in, in using social media for decades. Uh, you know, we use it to sell our horses. Uh, um, I was very active on LinkedIn for a long time until I got deplatformed. Uh, but, um, this ecosystem of, uh, building followers, clicks and likes by promoting, uh, false narratives is really the same ecosystem that big, uh, corporate media uses. That, that's that I think one of the things that's been most disillusioning for me is to see the um, business practices of both pharma and corporate media um, being propagated all the way down to uh, the smallest uh, obscure uh, shop that sells vitamins or the smallest podcaster that's trying to grow their audience. They, they, the same uh, marketing dynamics uh, come to fore and uh, which, which I deeply object to. They're, they're what got us into this whole mess. And yet people are recapitulating them on a daily basis at every single level in this whole food chain. Uh, says something about human behavior and human psychology that I find very dark. Just a final question. Uh, the putting out information, and by the way, I, I was expecting an underground lair when I got here, they would have a new place underneath. Oh, that was what, yes. I, I, that's apparently one of the things that was, was said about me was that I was building a bunker. Oh. Um, uh, and uh, I, that was out of the blue. I hadn't, this must be something that's circulating in, in Europe or in the UK. You show me after we film. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And, uh, my neighbors have one, uh, yeah, they, they have a hurricane bunker. Uh, so, um, but unfortunately that hasn't been in the budget up to date that when I, when I, when I mentioned that this was one of the things that were being weaponized as an attack against me, uh, what came back to me from the prepper community was what's wrong with the bunker? <laughs> 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 this is a different world you can yes it really is not just final small thought was the about information because um i've been surprised at uh maybe that naivety uh we touched on earlier i've been surprised at people not necessarily accepting or embracing information even when you can show it's true partially because the the government have done great work in uh in the media organizations that they control but just simply by putting out information you're an individual you're not part of an organization you're not selling anything apart from your book which is available i'm sure the links will be on the description on this video but in uh, substack and substack way, basically i've had to become a writer mm -hmm. to to make my living i don't i don't do podcasts for money yeah. uh um, that's a business model, but it's not one that I've embraced. Uh, I set up this studio so that I could effectively connect with folks like yourself or mm -hmm. Bannon or whomever mm -hmm. and provide a good quality video feed, but I'm not, I'm not monetizing it, but I do monetize Substack to a limited extent and the book. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, if you think that you're going to get rich by publishing a book these days, you can just park that idea. Um, cause it, it just is not a, a lucrative business model, but again, it was about getting information out. Any case, go on with your thought. No, it was just about that information. The Substack is one, but you're trying to win 
people over is that you just you put it out and you have to leave it you have to to trust your winsome position winsome argument i guess wins and over there isn't another way it's just presenting truth in a way that's well you can so there is another way you can go on twitter spaces or uh you can set up a debate uh with one of your detractors uh and i steadfastly refuse to do that i hate debating people mm-hmm. i love having a conversation with somebody in which we're both examining mm-hmm. uh key information but the kind of oppositional nature of a debate is something I find very distasteful. Mm -hmm. I have plenty of conflict in my life, uh, and I don't need more. Uh, but what I found early on is, you know, at first I did some Twitter spaces and they were getting lots and lots of, uh, you know, watches or whatever the metric is that you use for that. Um, and then I went on one that was a setup in which, uh, there was a, uh, a person who's an ER doc, uh, who just denied the facts, um, and kept repeating kind of the, the approved narrative and, uh, attacking with it. And, uh, I ended up hanging off the call and vowing to never do that because when you get into these environments, like a Twitter spaces, you open yourself up for basically troll attacks. And, um, so I won't do that anymore. I, as I said, I, I hate debates, uh, because it's oppositional. Uh, it's just more conflict and I, more conflict I don't need. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm not doing this. Uh, as you said, there, there are those in this space that are actively seeking money, profit and, uh, notoriety, fame. That's not where I'm coming from. Uh, I'm doing this because, uh, I have information and the information needs to be shared and to help people to get over their confusion. So many people don't, e- they're still intimidated by this acronym MRNA. A lot of people don't even get it right. Uh, let alone understanding the nuances behind this. I have a friend, I'm going to not drop his name, uh, but he's a surgeon general in a major state here in the United States. And he called me the other day and he said, Robert, uh, I really rely on you, and I've noticed that you're starting to uh, change your tone a little bit with all these attacks, and uh, and um, you're letting them get to you. And Robert, he said, you have to understand there are some people that just aren't going to like you, and you're never going to be able to fix that, and just don't pay any attention to accept it. Yeah. Just deal with it and, uh, get over it. That was a helpful advice. Another thing that has been helpful. And I think I've seen this happening more and others in my circles have seen this happening quite a bit in the UK is truth spirals. And that, that was another kind of major insight, uh, otherwise known as moral outbidding, which is very much related to, uh, virtue signaling. But virtue signaling is usually thought of as a left thing, uh, whereas moral uh, outbidding and truth spirals seems to be more on the right. But, you know, is is that dichotomy of left versus right even meaningful anymore in in global politics, so let alone American politics? But um, the idea that uh, and I'm I'm positive this is being weaponized by uh, bad actors, infiltrators. Um, 
in a in a community uh and and historical precedents for this include uh the a witch burning uh as one example or uh the uh French Revolution mm. and Robespierre uh and the Jacobins uh where uh you know this escalating uh um criteria of uh, are you with us or against us so these purity tests uh are can could be weaponized so uh there was and it seems to have died down since i i kind of highlighted this and objected objected to it i don't know if it's because of me or it just kind of burned out but there was a whole push that there was no pandemic there's a whole push that there was no virus that there's there are there are no viruses in general viruses don't exist my response to that is just lick the face of somebody with a herpes lesion and get back to me in a few weeks right um that's a very crude way to make the point but uh seems to be effective uh and and then there's this there there was no pandemic uh and then that gets modified well there was no highly lethal pandemic well, that one i can buy into but was there no pandemic well by the definition of the word pandemic of an infectious disease that circulates the world uh, and crosses national borders well i think there was mm-hmm. uh and then there was no virus i i, I if you if you have any background in virology or just follow the bouncing ball of what's going on, like the events around the engineering in Wuhan of this pathogen, um, you can't, uh, you can't square the circle of the thesis that there is no virus here. There's no SARS-CoV-2 with the abundant evidence that there is. And, you know, and I, for instance, I have a early paper that, uh, had studies done by colleagues who were challenging non-human primates with SARS-CoV-2 and other ones that were doing laboratory experimentation to characterize uh, drug responses, virus responses to various antiviral drugs and had the whole, you know, kinetics of dose response, et cetera, laid out to the virus. And, um, And I cited that paper recently when challenged about the, that there's no virus. And I said, look, you can look at my publication. There's, there's multiple laboratories that had the virus that were doing the studies there. And, uh, you know, what comes back is grumblings. Well, it's not really adequately documented, uh, that, that, uh, these people say they had the virus, but, and they did these experiments, but it could have all been faked. I mean, it's this, you get into the world is flat and nobody landed on the moon. Uh, you, you know, that there's a cohort and, and I'm positive now also by watching this play out that this is another thing that is actively weaponized by these uh, disruptor forces like the 77th Brigade, where they'll come into a community and they'll promote more and more and more extreme views. And what it does is it drives that community into a belief system that in order to be part of the, remain part of the community, you have to accept that belief system. Uh, and then for the, because remember, it's the battle is not over the 10 to 20 percent of people that have already uh, believed that uh, what was done here was wrong mm. and are awake to that. Um, the battle is also not over the 20 percent 
that is all, all in on the government narrative. And will anything the government says, they will take it as gospel truth. It's about the 60% in the middle. And the 60% uh, is turned off when they hear uh, communities uh, actively promoting things that are clearly false and, and extreme. And I think it's an intentional tactic uh, to drive those communities into that space. And they just go right along with it. And it's so frustrating. You just want to take them and shake them. You know, come on, guys, pay attention to what matters here. Uh, but uh, uh, that that's an example of what I'm what I think I'm seeing this evolution of uh, psychological warfare tactics and strategies uh, that that are really getting quite powerful and prey on fundamentals of human behavior. Uh, and um, and I wish. You know, what, one of the things this, this is, there are folks that are um, relatively low information people, but they're often, they can, they can become quite angry. They're aware that they've been had. They're aware that they've been abused uh, during this time. And they're angry about it. And they're looking for something to focus that anger on. This is, you know, torches and pitchforks. Uh, and, uh, um, they, they can easily be manipulated just as in the Frankenstein movie, right? You, you, uh, you know, a, a, a good, uh, order, uh, can come into that environment and promote, uh, conspiracy X, Y, and Z, or, uh, target an individual for blame. And often societies seem to have a need historically to find a scapegoat. The identification of a scapegoat can uh, release the tension that happens when when uh, society has been through something like this. And the scapegoat doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with uh, who is really responsible for what transpired. They just need a scapegoat. Uh, and uh, I, I really object to being the scapegoat for some of these people. I don't like it very much. Uh, and... Um, uh, so that I, I, so that's why our next book is focused on Psy War and the rogue state is, is hoping that if we can help educate people about these, uh, psychological manipulation techniques that have become so prevalent, mm. uh, that they will become more resistant, uh, to this, just like they're more resistant to modern marketing, selling them soap and cornflakes. Uh, so, um, so I don't know, apropos of nothing, uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just a traveler in this. Uh, I'm not really, uh, not, I was, um, had a moment where I was valuable, uh, to society in that I was willing to speak about things that other experts were not willing to think about mm. or speak about. Uh, but as you say that COVID's kind of yesterday's news, uh, and that's okay with me. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, as I, as you said, I, I, I didn't seek this. Mm. Um, and I don't find the, 
the constant hate very fun. Mm. And I just as soon uh, not just soon hang out and chat with you about politics than uh, talk about this kind of stuff and experience. But I think that it matters also um, relating these experiences because the same strategies and tactics are being used against uh, any dissenter. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Robert, thank you for your time, as always. Yeah. It's been great being here, and thank you for giving us your time and sharing. And it was those personal attacks that I wanted to talk to you about, so thanks so much for expanding that a little bit and giving us your time. Thank you. Thanks for being here, Peter, and thanks for your interest, and thanks for your courage and leadership. Uh, Hearts of Oak is is uh, continuing on, uh, and uh, you are you are one of the, the small cadre of alternative media voices uh, that are pushing against this established uh, media ecosystem, and uh, I think we 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 have to, and you have to um, keep in mind that. We actually are winning. Mm. Uh, it may not seem like it, but uh, you know when you see the LA Times is going broke, CNN's uh, average daily market share is about the same as our Substack, mm. and uh, the Washington Post lost a hundred million dollars last year and had to lay off a bunch of reporters. That's winning. Good news. <laughs> That's a very good point to finish here. Good news. Well, thanks, Robert. Yeah. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.